you good to talk about spring game too? I know you were there. Did you guys all meet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went down and found him. We met up, yeah. He's Daniel's a pretty sexy guy. This is the Frogcast. Welcome to the Frogcast. We are glad that you are here with us today. We are glad to be coming to you tonight. We are, um, as always, on iTunes. You can find us at thefrogcast.com. We are proud members of Horn Frog Blitz, the 24-7 uh, CBS sports community. We're proud to be a part of them. We've had a lot of new folks to the show in the last couple weeks. If you're new to us, we hope that you'll track us down on Horn Frog Blitz as well as subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and all the Android platforms that deliver this great content to us. We've had a lot happen since the last time we were on here with us. Uh, with uh, We were on here with y'all. Biggest thing, maybe, is we won the NIT. My goodness. The Horn Frogs go to Manhattan and win the NIT. Daniel, what did you think about seeing the Frogs excel on that national platform? It was amazing. Um, leading up to the game, I'm still blown away by uh, all the ad- actually, you know, all the advertising that TCU bought <clears throat> around there on Times Square and everything, and seeing, you know, just uh, I think they bought uh, it was on the electronic billboards uh, seven seven different billboards, so they rotated the ads around, and that's just you know to think that TCU. Um, is doing you know so well that they're all over Times Square, and then um, after they won, uh, the Madison Square Garden and the Empire State Building were lit up purple, and that to me, uh, you know, getting to the NIT, Jamie Dixon's first year, uh, you know, winning it and all that, but to be able to have that kind of, I don't know, prowess, I guess I might I might call it. It's just unreal to think that, you know, TCU made the Empire State Building be purple uh, because of the basketball team. It's just mind-blowing that it's on that big of a stage uh, and, and it had that much um, uh, swagger, I guess is a good word. It was absolutely fantastic. They just blew the pants off Georgia Tech. Um, I've actually watched it about two and a half more times. Uh, that second half. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, that second half is just, you know, such a butt-kicking, and I, I just, uh, it's such a um, such a fun thing. It's new for me, uh, definitely. I wasn't old enough, you know, to, for, uh, I really wasn't even old enough to really enjoy uh, Billy Ball, but uh, now such a new, a new fun thing to be, you know, killing it in basketball, and the future looks so bright. It's just going to be a really fun ride. Jeremy and Jeremiah, I know you guys have covered sport, uh, TCU sports for years at a, at a high level, but let's be honest, nobody really cared about basketball, especially for a casual fan. What do you see as the difference that this NIT win is going to be able to generate going forward for interest from Frog fans? Well, I, I think the main thing is, is you just see the excitement on the campus. How, I mean, how about the students, you know, lining up outside the, the arena, you know, hours before, before the tip-off? Um, you know, it's he's kind of generated some excitement there with the program and, and, you know, TCU's just, there's a lot of good sports fans in this area. So if TCU starts winning, I don't think they're going to have a hard time keeping the crowds getting bigger and bigger. Um, what did Mark say that holds the other day? Did he say 6,500 or yeah, something yeah, about 6,500. They're expecting uh, season ticket sales to be really good next year. And I, I just think that there's so much excitement around the program with Dixon coming home and doing what he did in his first year. 
it's nothing short of miraculous. And, and man, that was a lot of fun to watch that second half of that game. Yeah, I was joking around with Mark Cohen on Friday at the Pro Day about when there's going to be a release for Jamie Dixon's contract ex- extension. Because uh, you get, you got to know it's coming. I mean, for him to come in the first year and just do what he did. I mean, there was a lot of excitement generated. Like Daniel said, if you look at New York, see all the billboards going around. And the guys at the marketing department for TCU just did a fantastic job with some of their edits, some of their tweets they had out. I mean, it was incredible. Just a just a fun ride and, and really happy for those seniors like Kavar and Brandon and uh, Michael and, and uh, Chris to, to really go out as champions. You're talking about a team that had won, what, eight games in the previous years of the Big 12, and now they're NIT champions, and that's a good building block to build on. Um, they're going to have a, a lot of uh, uh, you know momentum going into next season. They're already predicted by some to be a top 25 team, and that's saying something. You're talking about one year uh, that Jamie Dixon's been the head coach, and they're already getting talked about being a top 25 team, and with the recruiting class they have coming in, I think they have a chance to really do some things with the Big 12 and, and really make a serious run next year in the in the big dance. These seniors were 0 and 18 their freshman year, and to see them come as far as they have to kind of have this capstone of the NIT title, that's amazing to me. And I feel I feel so good for those kids that have put so much time into this program and brought us so far here in just this last season. You know, the analogy that I've heard bouncing around on Twitter is this is the equivalent of winning the Sun Bowl in in, in 1998, to where we you know we got on a national stage, we beat a quality program, and we thought it was this great moment, but it's going to end up just simply being a launching pad into what goes forward into the future. And I, I think we're going to see, this is going to be the last year we make the NIT for a while. I think we're going to be in the tournament and I think we're going to be able to make some noise in the big 12. This is where we're grateful that we have Chris Del Conte and not AD Holder like they have up at Oklahoma state that lets a coach walk right out the door after a good season. I think, I think that contract's going to come pretty darn soon, Jeremy. So I am looking forward to that. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, obviously you've got such, Great momentum with every TCU sport, big sport there is. You've got uh, a good football team. You've got good basketball. You've got obviously good baseball. And Chris Del Conte is the top athletic director in the country, in my opinion. He'll get that thing done, and and we'll be seeing something about a contract. And now I'm not. I'm just just kind of scattershooting here. It's just a rumor, but I I, I would think that Jamie's going to get some type of contract extension before. Uh, too long just for the job he did this year hey talking about all the tcu sports being uh pretty you know i think there's six different teams that have been in the top 15 this year six different tcu sports i saw today that the women's beach volleyball team is ranked for the first time number 13 after beating like three straight ranked teams not that i'm watching hey there's nothing wrong with volleyball there is that my daughter plays volleyball and that is a fun sport and there is absolutely nothing wrong with watching beach volleyball over there at tcu I think Jeremiah has now been assigned as the lead writer on the beach volleyball team and lead photographer. If everybody's all in favor of that, say aye. Aye. Oh wait, I wasn't supposed to vote on that. Yeah, I think I think we can get I think we can get Brintex or Keith Robinson to come in there and do some photos too. I, I well, think they I think they would like some beach volleyball. I'm sure there's some dirty old men that would volunteer for that really quick. Man. So. <laughs> well, guys, let's uh, let's move on what to what we all really want to talk about. We had our spring game this last Saturday there at Eamon Carter at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. We had an opportunity to watch 
a simulated scrimmage is the most polite term I could use to describe this. Before we kind of get into the nuts and bolts of what it is and was it what it wasn't, Daniel, you sat through every game last year. You were able to be there for the last few years at the spring game. Just what's one thing you saw in experiencing that environment on the field, off the field, that you thought was a positive takeaway? Uh, <laughs> it... Uh... <laughs> It was uh, it was about like any other spring game. Uh, they they didn't do a whole lot, you know. It uh, there's no, it's so hard to take anything away from it. I, I did like what little flashes I saw from uh, the defense um, because generally uh, running a base offense and defense, uh, it's gonna make the defense look that much better because they basically pretty much know what they're going to, what the offense is going to run. And, but I could see some flashes in there where I feel like, uh, this is probably going to be an improved defensive line and, um, perhaps at linebacker as well. Um, and probably the defensive backs. I just feel like it's, it's, it's gotta be better than it has been the last couple of years. And, um, and then other than that, uh, the running backs looked fine. I think Darius Anderson is really uh, a special talent. I'm looking forward to seeing him get some more touches this year. Uh, I saw him do a few things last year that were really impressive. I'm looking forward to that. And then I guess <sighs> Sean Robinson made the only touchdown pass, but I think the best pass I saw might have been from Brennan Wooten, um, which was interesting. So I, I, it's really going to be you know curious how all that plays out, but those were the you know the few little highlights um, that I caught when I wasn't trying to chase my hat around because it was forty mile an hour wind. But um, so that's that's basically what I took away from it. Jeremy, you've written on the board as well as posting an article online of of what this game was and what it wasn't. Give us an inside uh, perspective of, of what Patterson was trying to do. And you've said some some serious things about the limitations on offense that they went out of their way to not show anything. Um, what 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 have you heard about what the what the game was essentially trying to accomplish and what it wasn't trying to accomplish? Well, I mean, even even Gary said after the game that the defense is going to know what the offense is doing. It's a base offense versus base defense. What's what I'm saying? You're not going to get any kind of trick plays, no gimmicks, and the defense has really seen this kind of offense, the 14 previous practices. So basically what it comes down to, the defense is going to know kind of what the offense is going to run. And it becomes a man versus man, kind of what I wrote about today in, in the five things I've taken away from this spring camp is, you know, the, the receiver still got to get open. Um, the offensive line still got to block running back, still got to, you know, hit the holes the right way and, and get some yardage. Quarterbacks obviously have to make the throws. And although the defense pretty much ruled the day, there were still some things that offensively the offense struggled with. I mean, you still had receivers dropping the ball, still had Kenny Hill throwing two interceptions. And the two interceptions he threw were pretty uh, reminiscent of what he was last year. They were um, – not really good throws. They were, they were, uh, the first one interception he threw was not a good decision. Threw it right to Jeff Gladney. Jeff Gladney had, uh, I can't remember what receiver he was covering, but he was just all over him. And then the second throw he threw, Ranthony Tejada just had excellent coverage deep. And Kenny threw up the ball to, to try to get the receiver to make a play, but Ranthony made a heck of a diving interception. But, you know, overall, 
you want to see the offense, even though the defense kind of knows the formations and everything, the personnel you're going to be using, you want to see them make some of those plays. And like Daniel said, there were some plays that were um, some highlights. You know, Brennan had a great throw to Emmanuel Porter, but when you look at it, he was against a walk-on cornerback. Um, Sean had a chance to throw two touchdowns, and he missed two wide-open receivers. He missed uh, Emmanuel Porter one play, and he missed Isaiah Graham another play. The, the the drive that he really looked good on and, and kind of set up the touchdown is you're going to see what he's going to be able to do in his career um, as a scrambler and as a guy that can make the throws downfield. When he avoided a rush, scrambled right, he hit Dylan Thomas with an absolute dart on the sideline and just kind of showed his elusiveness and his ability to fire out the pigskin. And then the next throw, he hits that past 35-yard touchdown with an absolute rope to Isaiah Graham. So you get excited to see some of those things, but overall the defense ruled the day and it wasn't even close. I mean, there's there's uh, probably a little bit of skepticism with the offense right now, but just to talk people off the ledge, this is a this is a base offense. It's not tricky. It's, it's not going to do anything to wow the fans. And anyone out there that just thinks that this team's horrible after watching that spring game, you need to watch a little bit more football. Trust me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, we Jeremiah's do got some. Jeremiah thinks the defense looked good. He, I know he's he was real high on one of the safeties out there the other day, and we all were. But um, there's a few guys that made some pretty good defensive plays, right? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously the defense is going to be a step ahead of the offense, I think, in these types of scenarios. Um, but I was really impressed with Markel Simmons. And, you know, I think a lot of people on the board were asking last year, where's Markel Simmons? You know, we had high hopes for this kid coming in as a Juco. Maybe took him a little bit longer to to, to grasp the defense. Maybe uh, not 100% healthy, but um, he looks really good back there. He's he's put on some good weight. He looks really fast. Um, he's, he reminds me a little bit of Chris Hackett, the way he diagnoses a play. Yeah, he does. He, he, he sees the play, and he flies to the ball. And when he gets there – he knocks the piss out of the runner, whoever's got the ball. I mean, it was flat out massive hit every time he, he got involved. And it was like he knew where he was going this year. And I think it was a kind of a pleasant surprise um, for him to step up like that. He was probably the most impressive to me. <laughs> but the two of the things I noticed were the offensive line and the defensive line, how much bigger they look this year. Um, this is very early to, to pin this on a guy. But Lucas Nyang is going to be a, a big-time NFL player. I mean, that guy is – just look at the picture I posted on. He is on. unreal looking for a redshirt. Or is he going to be a sophomore? He's sophomore. 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 So, I don't know. I, it's hard to not get excited about the lines. And if, if you ask me where a championship's won, it's won on the lines. And I think with the running game TCU has, with the defense they're going to be able to field, and with the offensive and defensive line improvement, I think they're going to have a pretty solid year. The offensive line is going to be huge. I mean, they had uh, Patrick Morris working at center, but once Austin gets back, uh, during the fall, their offensive line is going to be tall. They're going to be all over 300 pounds. I think it's going to be a strength. And everyone I've talked to this spring has said the offensive line has played so much better. Um, and that you can attribute that to uh, Chris Thompson being the new coach and him just having a uh, a lot better grasp of coaching the offensive line. But I was, I was laughing at Jeremiah's comment about big hits because every time we saw a running back doing a, a front somersault, it was always Markel Simmons or uh, Isahaku coming in there and just laying out the running backs. It, it was pretty funny because you get to the to the walk-on running backs, the Stacy Boyds. Uh, 
will really fly up in the air at a, a solid 160 pounds or whatever <laughs> Stacy is. But you got to hand it to him, man. Stacy gets out there and runs against those uh, that defense, and he ain't afraid to take a hit, even though uh, he's kind of small. But you know, it, overall, Jeff, it, I mean, it was it was pretty much what you what you want to see on the defensive side of a spring game. Offensively, you probably would have saw. Uh, you would have liked to seen a little bit more scoring. And even Gary said that after the game, he wanted to really work on some field goal stuff and um, didn't really have a chance to because they didn't score. But I will say this, the receivers that are coming in, Omar Manning, Jalen Rager, Kennedy Snell, they're all going to have a chance to play early. And I, I'm really, I, I think I told you the other day, Jeremiah, that Jalen Rager might set all kinds of freshman records for TCU. Um, if some, if some of those slot receivers don't step up, because I think he's going to have a chance to come in and play right away. Well, one of my favorite recruits that we haven't hasn't seen the field yet. He registered last year. Did any of the three of you guys get to lock in on Ross Blacklock? Did he do anything in the trenches? Because I've got <laughs> high hopes for that young man. Yeah, I'm laughing again. Go ahead. He, no, he, he just he's such a big human being. He just took up so much space and it just you know, I didn't feel like he got a ton of penetration. But he just stuffed everything at the line. I mean, there was nothing going through his area at all. So it, that's what you want as a space eater, somebody that's just going to, you know, help neutralize the op- opposition's running game. And I felt like he's going to be that guy. I don't know how much up-the-field pressure he's going to get. He may end up being a, a dominant up-the-field guy. But for me right now, he's a space eater that's just going to help shut down opposing run games. He, he did get pressure that one play when, when he yeah, sacked yeah. Wooden. He was <laughs> – well, you got to understand when, when, when these guys are playing in the spring game, they don't let the quarterbacks get touched for anything. I mean, you can see a quarterback start to scramble and, and a defensive end will reach out his arm two yards away and they'll blow the whistle. That's just it, – it's – it's kind of silly at some point because you got to think, well, the quarterback's going to get away from that. Let him run the ball a little bit. But the refs were kind of whistle happy. And, and I know that Gary probably told them to blow the whistle as soon as they got close. But there was a particular play where Ross just got just busted right through the offensive line. And, and Brendan was playing quarterback. And Ross just kind of put that big old bear claw out there on his chest. <laughs> and, Brendan, and Brendan immediately backpedaled and fell down. But it was funny just to see a big – defensive tackle like that get such a fast rush and get to the quarterback that fast and that kind of shows you the ability that he could have the next four years for the frogs and that's that's huge their defensive line is the the core of their defense and, and how well they're able to play that four two five and with someone like him in the middle that's a good thing that is that is well daniel i got a question for you you know i've watched i watched the ou game on fox sports southwest i've watched some of the tech game that I was able to find on college sports, Fox college sports, we don't do, and we're not a huge state school, but we don't do the massive spring game where we try to get as many fans as we can there. And you tailgate all day. What do you think of our experience versus maybe what, what they're doing at OU, what they're doing at tech. Do you think we could step up the fan experience at the spring game, even though we're just going to keep doing what we do on the field? Cause Gary runs that thing like the Kremlin and that's just fine by me. What do you think we should do to step up fan experience for a spring game? Oh, yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. Uh, This year was actually pretty fun because the basketball team was there signing autographs. Uh, You could see the NIT trophy. Um, I guess I'm sure there's plenty you could do. I haven't really had much experience with anyone else's spring games, you know, um, especially not a, a giant school. I know places like Ohio State fill the stadium for a spring game. And but um, those sad people have nothing to do. So. Uh, 
but I think you know we I think we've drawn a pretty good crowd. I think uh, last year that Friday Night Lights kind of thing, whatever they called it, um, was to me a lot more fun than an 11 a.m. Saturday morning thing. Just I'm not much for 11 a.m. anything. So uh, it was. I mean, it's fun. They got you know like a DJ kind of playing music, and then. Uh, I think there was face painting, you know, they kind of make it a family thing. It's almost like, uh, just it's free. Bring your family. I wish a few more people would come. I think it would look a little better. Uh, but I, dang, I, I have, I have absolutely no idea because I've never really experienced anyone else's spring game. So I don't know what in the world they even do. Jeremy, do you think it gets the buzz it deserves? Yeah, I think, I mean, there was actually more fans than, than we kind of expected there to be. I mean, you look at the east side, the whole lower bowl was almost full, and there was even starting to uh, get some fans on the upper deck over there. But I think Daniel's right. The Friday Night Lights was kind of a good thing because, you know, around here, I mean, you, you've got kids, people that have kids, they got soccer games, they got baseball, t-ball, and they're not going to go to a TCU spring game over going to their kids' events, and that's just – that's fine. That's there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, and there's never going to be the amount of fans that a Texas or an Oklahoma or an Ohio State will generate. There, there there's just not that many TC alumni to go to those type of events and make it a you know seventy eighty thousand attended spring game. Um, the the thing that I like about what they do is they really get involved with the fans as far as, you know, letting the players sign autographs after the games, coach Patterson's up in the stands in the second half, greeting, taking selfies. And we're, whereas the media kind of where Daniel saw us after the game, he's signing autographs and just letting people come up to him, you know, person after person, after person, taking pictures, signing posters, doing everything else before he actually turned around and said, Hey, I got to take care of these guys. He was making sure he took care of the fans first. And it was funny because during the game, he wanted to make sure that the fans knew that they could come down onto the field and get autographs on, meet the players, meet the coaches, take pictures, do whatever they wanted. And, and they said it over the loudspeaker a couple times. And um, it was funny because he's watching the game, but he didn't think he could, he didn't think he heard any announcement. So he goes over there and tells him again, Hey, let's make sure we, the fans know that they can come down and get all this stuff. And, so it's it, it's it's kind of important to him to make sure the fans are involved as much as they are. It's just like any other game day atmosphere. You had the the, the showgirls there, and you had recruits there in their little you know seated section of the stands. And only thing really missing was the uh, the cheerleaders or the flyover or anything like that. I mean, you, the band. But it was it was you know it's it's a spring game. They're not ever gonna you know just create a lot of hoopla for the spring game. I was kind of surprised they did a couple years ago when they had the Friday night lots, but you know, it's TCU and that's, that's what Gary Patterson wants. And Gary gets what he wants. Yes, he does. 9% of the time. <laughs> yes, he does. Well, I want to, I want to close with a conversation about the spring game with uh, an open-ended question. Who is going to be the number two quarterback next year? And if it's Sean Robinson, how much should he play? You want to answer this first? You want me to go? Yeah, I'm just going off of what I've very limited amount I've seen, but I'm also basing this off of uh, going up to practice the other day and talking to Coach Patterson after practice and and not just hearing what he had to say, but seeing how it came across uh, when he was talking about Sean Robinson. I think he's excited about what they potentially have there. 
Obviously, it's not ideal to start an, a, a, a true freshman, but a guy that comes in early, gets enough reps, he could, he could, uh, I think he can make an impact. If he does win the number two job, I think he needs to get a, a couple of series per game, and not just in blowout games, not just come in and hand off because anybody can do that. I'd like to see them throw him in there for a series in the first half, or a, you know, a drive in the second half with, with the full offense at his disposal, and see what he can do because you're not going to know what you have. And what's the point of throwing him out there if you're just going to hand off with him? So I, I think he has potential to see the field, and if he does, I think they'll let him let him do some things. One thing that I noticed the other day, and, and we talked about it a lot, is it seemed like out. And Daniel, you can attest to this that it seemed like out of all the quarterbacks, Sean was definitely getting the most reps out of everyone. Yeah, uh, he seemed it, in control of the offense. Yeah, and it was kind of like. It was kind of like they wanted to see what he could do. They were giving him the best opportunity to see what he could do. Now, he was the third quarterback that came in the game. Of course, Kenny started, then Grayson Muehlstein came in, and then it was Sean. Sean worked with the twos at first, then he began to work with the ones, and it was actually with the ones, I believe, when he had the scoring. It was against the second-team defense, but it was he was working with the first-team offense um, when they scored. But I think that was kind of a – that was a uh, outlook of, of what's to come because they really wanted to see what he would be like in front of the fans um, and, and, you know, in game-like situations. Can he make the plays? Can this 18-year-old phenom make the plays of what Gary Patterson is going to ask him to do? And, and that's really – it's it's really going to become a trust issue. Can he win the number two spot? Absolutely. I think right now he, he might even have the number two spot. He's He's athletic. Obviously, a lot of people there saw how hard he can throw. And if he grasped the offense, it was great for him to be here in the spring and, and learn some of it. But once he gets more rep repetitions in the fall, I think he's going to be the solid number two guy. Now, that's not to say Grayson's not going to battle him. But I think that the fact that Sean is so young, they've got to look toward the future. And, guys, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, and Jeremiah thinks the same thing. It's not, it's not for sure that Sean's not the starter. I mean, if you watch, if you're just a random fan, have never seen any of those quarterbacks ever play, you don't know their past or anything, and you walked in to watch those five quarterbacks, Sean Robinson's your starter. Everyone's going to walk out of that stadium saying, you know, number 12 is probably the best guy there. And that's, that's saying something. Yes, it is. That is saying something. Daniel, who do you have as the, well, let me, what do you think? What, what, what do we do with Sean Robinson? That's really what this is all about. It's really tough. Really tough because, um, I know I don't exactly. Mm, I guess I would say trust Kenny Hill. Um, you know what he did last year that we had. We thought okay, you know he hadn't played in a long time, and then this off season, you know he spends spring break with some quarterback coach, and you know he's been working on things, and then he comes in. I was actually just a couple minutes late to the spring game, and by the time I got there, he had already thrown two interceptions. And I, I think like, you're talking about the Arkansas game. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> it was, and, and I walked in and I said, what had happened? Someone told me, you know, already thrown two interceptions and uh, I looked on my phone and I saw that other people were talking about it online. I thought, good Lord, you know, this is going to be the same, same thing. I don't trust him to get the job done. But then I, I, so do I start Sean Robinson? Ah, that's really tough because you know, I, that's really all I can say. That's really tough because there's just so many uh, ways that starting a, a true freshman quarterback right off the bat is kind of a crazy idea. Um, 
kind of just you know learn to swim on the fly or something like that and and it's i don't know i but i don't i at number two uh does he get reps okay i can see that but also i think it'd be great to redshirt him there's just a couple of options and you know there's no real clear answer because they it's kind of they all have trade-offs and so i just i i'm not the best expert in the world i just don't know I think we go with Kenny, but I think Sean Robinson will be the starter of the last five or six games. I just think that's what's, what it's going to be. And if he's going to be the last five or six games, it's easy to say, just go ahead and start him. But we do have to ease him in. If we get a couple of early losses or we get a couple of early INTs, man, I'd rather go seven and five with Sean Robinson than eight and four with Kenny Hill. Are that's you saying point. that Sean's going to start the last five or six games because the frogs are going to be like what three and five. Yeah, if if we're or three and four. Yeah, if if basically, I mean, the, the marker is if we lose to Arkansas and then we get into Big Twelve play and we're five hundred halfway through the season, just go with Sean Robinson. Just go with yeah. Sean Robinson. Let him take his licks. Try to get into a bowl game. Get all those extra practices. But I would rather. I would rather go. I would rather have last year's record with Sean Robinson next year, knowing what that's going to set up for the future, than then be seven and five or eight and four with Kenny Hill, man. I just do. Yeah, I mean, sure you're not the only one, Jeff. I mean, I, I bet there's a, a ton of people that would feel the same way. Kind of start. Yeah. Once you see that this season's kind of a wash and you're not going to play in a, uh, a New Year's New Year's Day bowl game, then and you're fighting for a mediocre bowl game. Then yeah, why not put someone in there? Why not put the future in there if you know he's capable enough to uh, at least win enough ball games to get you to a bowl game. Kind of like Trevon did when he was a freshman. Well, th- this is what I wrote down here on, on my notes from the spring game was I remember 2014 when they pulled Mason Rudolph's red shirt late in the season at Oklahoma state. And everybody said that was an awful move, but they ended up getting bowl eligible because they won that bedlam game. And then they went and beat Washington out there in the Arizona bowl or whatever that thing is at the baseball field. And then they came back and they went to the sugar bowl. And then last year they had a great team and were competing for the big 12 title. And Mason Rudolph is better than Baker Mayfield. If you ask me, he is set up for an amazing senior year that I don't think he would have been able to have if they hadn't gotten those licks in and been able to get on his feet that freshman year. I say, let's do the same thing with Sean Robinson. If we find ourselves in that position, but like you said, what are we going to do in August? If Sean Robinson's the best quarterback, I say, go for it. Yeah, that's why we don't make the million-dollar contracts, I guess you said. I know. Well, we just make million-dollar contracts on 24-7. That's how it works. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, let's go ahead and pivot here. Um, I want to talk about recruiting for a minute, but before we do that, everybody give me one minute of what you're going to miss most about Travaris Johnson, who has transferred to Oregon State. He's going to be a grad transfer. He's going to have his degree from TCU. We're all grateful for that. Wish him the best of luck out there in the Pac-12. But what's one good memory of Johnson that you're going to have as we as we wrap up the Tavares Johnson era? I just love the way he ran. I mean, he he ran just like he had nothing to lose. I mean, obviously he had a a lot of people talk about his fumbles and stuff, but you know when he had the opportunity to come in there and make some plays, he he ran hard. And my favorite play that he probably had in his TCU career is when. The frogs are just beating the heck out of Texas Tech, and he got what a 25-yard touchdown late in the game. And there was, 
you kind of could see Gary didn't want him to score, but he was saying, the heck with that. I'm going to score this touchdown while I've got the ball in my hand. And that was a pretty cool moment to see him get a chance to score a touchdown like that. For me, it's it's a little more, I, I guess, bittersweet because I felt like he was severely underutilized. And um, I would like to saw a lot more goal line with Travoris instead of lining up Turpin or some smaller backs in the backfield. He's a guy that ran mad. And, and I, I, you don't see a lot of that on this team. I will say I saw that some in the spring game with from Anderson and, and Shewo, but Travoris ran mad, and I always felt like uh, he could have taken a you know four or five more carries a game that really could have helped the team out a lot in, in crucial situations. But those early fumbles in his career kind of did him in, unfortunately. But watch him go out to Oregon State and run for eight or nine hundred yards and ten touchdowns. Yeah, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> That'd be I great. Hope he does. I, I hope, hope he, he does, does too. My you favorite memory any- of that was the, in the Peach Bowl when he face slammed somebody. Or whatever that was, just like a stiff oh, arm. Yeah. They shoved him in the ground. I was like, man, I love that guy. Yeah, that was great. I remember great game, guys. that was a great game. I th- it was the Baylor game this year. He's lined up in the. They were in the shotgun, and Hicks was in behind the quarterback, behind a hill, and then Johnson was off to the right, and he was the lead blocker and just slammed some Baylor linebacker to the ground, and Hicks just went walking into the end zone. I was like, oh, man, I wish we could have seen more of that. Um, didn't work out, so be it. He's got a degree from TCU, which is great, and we wish him the best out west. Well, let's pivot to recruiting, guys. Um, I want to start with uh, a, a recruitment, uh, a commitment that we got in this last week for the 2020 class. I know everyone's favorite comment is, well, get back to me on signing day if that kid sticks. Well, you'll forget oh, yeah. about him three years from now. But, Jeremy, take us inside this commitment. Tell us a little bit about him. And how in the world do you get a freshman to commit to TCU? I'll be honest. I was kind of caught off guard by this because you're sitting there thinking – is this for real? Because this is a 2020 guy. And, and man, every, every year that we've been doing this, there's, there's really, there, it's never the same. There's, there's always going to be something that catches you off guard. But I, I do know that in, in talking with the guys that were down there in uh, New Orleans for the, uh, for the opening regional, they said for a kid that young, he was actually the best route runner there. And that's over guys like Terrace Marshall, who's a five-star receiver right now in the 18 class. And, when I talked to some people up at TCU, they were super excited to be able to get that kid. And he's probably one of the smarter kids I know because he did one thing that you wish some of these other kids would do when they get a, a supposed offer from their dream school. He committed. He and I asked him. I said, what, "You know what? What made you commit?" And he said, "If it's in my dream school, why should I wait? You know, there's nothing else that you know. I've got what I wanted. So he's kind of mature beyond his years. He he knows what he wants and." went ahead and made the commitment and I think it's going to be a, a huge thing for them. I think by the time he's a senior, he could very well be the top one or two receiver in the state and he could very well be a top 20 receiver in the nation. And I know that Barton Simmons, our national recruiting analyst loved him down there at the, uh, the opening and said he was open all day and here this past weekend at the pile on seven on seven, he actually had another great day and, He's making a lot of these kids from the 18 and 19 classes look kind of silly right now because they can't cover them. And that's a big thing for TCU. If they can get another slot receiver like that to come in, hey, that's going to be great for the Frogs. That is great. It's going to be a few years before he gets on campus, obviously. But, man, I, yeah, I love making I mean, waves. It's, I mean, he's right down the road from Baton Rouge, so there's always going to be the LSU presence. And, uh, you know, they're obviously – 
going to wait a little bit for the offer, I bet. But this this guy did have some SEC interest. He had an offer from Georgia. He had interest from Ole Miss, uh, Mississippi State. And, and he's he's not your typical 2020 guy. And everyone was kind of like, why does TCU take a 2020 kid right now? Because he's that good. I mean, if you got a kid that, that is that good, you're going to take him regardless. And it's not the it's not really the the norm for them to offer kids that young, but they're doing that this year. They've offered Jace McClellan out of Alito. And if that, if that guy committed, I can't tell you how excited people around Fort Worth would be because they know who he is. And that's kind of what people need to start thinking right now um, with this commitment. This this is a huge gift for TCU right now. Yeah, they got to hold on to him for three years, but starting off with a kid like that for your class, that's, that's huge. I mean, you're talking about a potential – um, top five player in the state when he's a senior in Louisiana. When you go into Louisiana and get kids out of LSU's backyard, that is huge. And I don't care how old you are, that's that's a huge recruiting get for TCU. Well, speaking of Louisiana and big gets, Justin Rogers, uh, update us on where he is at. How close are we to him making a commitment? And has LSU gained any ground? I know he's going to be down there next weekend, but he was on campus for the spring game. Update us on where just Justin Rogers is at. I think he's going to be making a decision here within the next couple months. I think by the end of spring ball, he'll he'll decide something. TC still in really good shape. He's their top school, and he loved the visit, loved getting to interact with the coaches again. And the coaches, if if you didn't, if everyone was asking who this tall kid over there was, the one that the coaches were showing so much attention to, it was Justin Rogers, and and they love that kid. Obviously, Justin loves them. His family loves TCU. TCU's in great shape. LSU is right there. Um, they're not as high as TCU, but they are, you know, making a little bit of an impact with the way they're running offense now. They've got uh, packages down there now that have four and five receivers. And he said that if they start to show an, an, an emphasis of throwing the the vertical route, that could open his eyes even more because right now they're they're just kind of pitch and catch right now, the slants and quick outs, and he wants to see more of that offense. But it's when you're talking about LSU and four and five receivers in the same sentence, you know something's going on because that's not typical LSU offense. So he wants to play in a wide open, spread it out uh, offense that you know he can he can thrive in. And that's one thing that I want to tell TCU fans as well is that although the offense did struggle the other day, he knows it was basic. He knows that's not their offense that they're going to run. He knows the formations and stuff that they run out of, and he he even said that there is there's a lot that they didn't run in that game and he knows it and so that's a good thing so people thinking that oh TCU's going to lose offensive recruits because they look like crap on offense and Justin was in the stands it's not a, it's not a worry trust me it's not a worry for him it shouldn't be a worry for the TCU fans either well, that's good to know. I, he's he's our top priority. I think it would be great to land him. I think it would be great to play Sean Robinson as a freshman, and I think that would actually send a strong message to, to Rodgers, and I hope he's able to get here. Man, I, w- I would love to land that kid because I think he could be the bell cow for the rest of this class. You that, said there's that would been- be, you know, that would, you know, kind of talking about Sean again, that would probably be quarterbacks are they're, they're a different breed. You know, quarterbacks, there's only one spot on the field. It's not like you're playing offensive line or – Defense where you have five spots to compete for defensive line where you have four or the secondary where you have five or wide receiver where you have five quarterback. There's only one spot and some quarterbacks, they like the fact that, Hey, this guy came in, they they didn't care how old he was. He got a chance to play early, but some quarterbacks also look at it and say, 
man, he's already playing. That means I'll have to wait four years before I get to play. And so it's kind of, you got to kind of find out where the middle is with these quarterbacks. Is he going to, is he going to mind if Sean Robinson is a 10 game starter and he's the unquestioned starter going into next season, or is Justin just content with, Hey, I'll come in and learn behind Sean. I'll spend a year red shirting and then I'll have a chance to compete head to head with him. You know, it's kind of one of those deals not to get off subject too much, but it's, it's something that quarterbacks definitely look at. Yeah, I mean, every every team has quarterbacks transfer. We had two quarterbacks transfer in the last calendar year. It's just part of the process. It's just absolutely what happens because you're right. There's only one spot on the field. You know, you can be the second string corner and get put out there in, in, in some packages with the first team. That doesn't happen with quarterback. That's not how it works. So I'll be curious to see how that breaks down. I'm really hoping that we land Rodgers. You said on the board the other day, there's been some, um, some shakeup in recruitment, maybe some kids that were itching to commit to TCU, maybe some guys that are expressing to us how, how high they are on TCU that maybe we didn't think were in their top one or two or three. Tell us a little bit, take us behind the scenes. What's the state of recruitment for the 2018 class and what can we expect in the next couple of months? Well, there's some guys right now that, you know, maybe, maybe even myself and Jeremiah really didn't think they had a chance with that are expressing to, um, some people out there that TC is very much in it, guys like Jalen Waddell and, and Jalen Green and, and, you know, Tay Barber, I think, is really, really close to committing to TCU. Um, but there's there's a lot of kids in the Houston area that are talking about TCU. Deshaun Jameson is another guy. And it's kind of one of those deals like you had with Texas a few, few years ago when one guy committed and the next thing you know, there's like seven or eight all committing because some of these guys get to talking – they all go on their visits together. They they see these schools together, and something opened their eyes a few weeks ago when they came up to see TCU uh, for one of their spring scrimmages. And some of the, sometimes that's the way recruiting works. If you have a chance to go after a guy who is your number one guy at the position, and you have a guy that maybe three or four at the position, maybe two. You, you just got to look at it. You got to look at it and be patient. Sometimes coaches have to be patient just like the recruits do. If you have a chance to get your top, your top player at that position, you you've got to You've got to be patient and you've got to, you've got to keep other recruits warm because if you fill that spot, then you don't have a spot remaining. You got, you kind of get what I'm saying. So if you, if you fill the spots, then you left the one that you, potentially had a great chance with who might have been the number one player on your board go to another school. So that's kind of where they're at right now. They've they're in a position to land uh, a few of these guys that in some cases are their top guys on the board at certain positions. And you just got to be patient. I mean, that's, that's how it is. There's going to be some guys that might have some, might've had some early offers and try to come in and commit. That's the game. That's the recruiting game. These, these offers, aren't uh perpetual they're, they're, they're not everlasting i mean some of these kids will try to commit a year after they've been offered well why did it take you a year to commit why why was it why was it that you wanted to commit now and some of these kids they wait for the other big offers to come in they they look at tcu and think tcu's a great school but we're, we're wanting to get oklahoma we're wanting to get texas we're wanting to get texas a&m they wait sometimes for those offers and by the time they want to. They want to commit. TCU's done some further evaluation. They've seen these times from camps. They've seen them on video. Something has happened to where you know what? 
maybe they're just not as high on the board as they were once before. And that's what fans got to understand. It's it, you know, they, they get crazy. Well, why don't, why, why did they have an offer then recruiting changes? It's just like, it's just like a, a job offer that any of us could go into. We can go in there and blow it out and we might be the person that they want to hire. And then the next person right behind us comes in and does an even better interview. That's how recruiting is. And that's, that's what people got to understand. If, if, if they have a committable offer, it doesn't, it, it doesn't mean they have however long they want to take, unless you're a guy like Baron Browning and some of those top five-star kids that, you know, they, they will wait to the very last second, the 11th hour um, for. So it's, it's one of those things where you just got to be patient and, I think the class will work out pretty good. Yeah, that's a balancing act that people way above my pay grade are paid to manage. That sounds difficult. And then you consider that they're all 17 and you're like, wow, that's got to be awful. I would pull out whatever little hair I have left trying to figure that out. Good luck to the coach. <laughs> well, anything else, Jeremy or Jeremiah, you got on recruiting that you think our listeners would be interested in hearing right now? Maybe a couple of projected commitments, maybe some guys that we might want to pull up the huddle on. Anything you guys want to share with us right now? What's going on with recruitment? Well, it's going to get busy here in about a week, guys, because the coach is going to be able to hit the road. They're going to they're not going to be able to make any in-home visits. They'll go out to schools and and really see some kids up close. I think you'll see some more offers coming out, especially for the 19 class. Um, there's there's no talking on these visits. There's uh, sometimes these coaches, not TCU in particular, but just coaches out there that will just randomly be walking in the hallways and they bump into the recruits um, walking to class. They call it the infamous bump rule. Um, but anyway, there there's going to be uh, a chance for coaches to go out, do some evaluations and we'll see some more offers. We'll see some more offers uh, coming out. I think within the, that time period from April 17th, all the way, I think through May 31st, I believe it is. So they got a chance to get out really and evaluate. And I think, 2019 will be the class that we talk about for a little bit because I think that's where the offers are going to come from. 2018 is rolling right now. I think they've got over 100 offers out right now. And obviously, this this is this is what I was talking about a second ago. They're not going to take 121 kids, okay? Not all of those are committable offers right now. We're not gonna, Alabama. Take, well, that's the thing about Alabama. See, they, they offer these kids, but they don't tell them, hey – it will offer you, but you, you got to come to the camp to get the offer. So basically an Alabama offer is an offer to come to the camp and show off your stuff in front of our coaches to see if we really want to offer you. That's how the Alabama offers work just to let everyone know. But no, I think, I think, uh, by the end of spring, we're, you know, TCU sitting at four commits right now. I think they very easily could be about six or seven by the time summer starts and, you, you would like to think by the time the season starts in fall that they're in the teens somewhere, maybe 13 or 14. But it's a big class. They have the luxury to be patient with some of these recruits and, uh, you know, stay on them as long as they can to, to try to reel in the big ones. I mean, this is obviously a, a big year for them on the field. They've got to prove some people wrong. A lot of people are looking at last year as a uh, tremendous failure, which it was. They were p- picked second in the Big 12. Uh, preseason so they got to go out and prove some people wrong and and do well on the field and as bad as they did last year on the field they still hauled in a pretty good class I think if they can come out and win eight nine ten games that's going to help tremendously in recruiting and and I think 2018 could be a class that we're really talking about this time you know you know next February when signing day hits 
yeah, I'm looking forward to see who we get into the barn on this this recruiting class. Well, anything from the three of you all that you want to add just to kind of move our short, short show to the close here? Anything um, of note from the spring game, NIT, recruiting, uh, life skills, hair product, uh, nah, tips with I've women? I've got a shout out. Go for I've, it. I've got a shout out for the baseball team. We haven't really talked much baseball this year, but if, I don't know if you guys have noticed they're number three in the nation right now with a 26-5 and five record, and they are really rolling with the bats, and uh, that offense is just just scary. So. This is uh, getting into the meat of the Big 12 schedule. They got a big uh, three-game road series at West Virginia this coming weekend. Dallas Baptist tomorrow night, uh, Tuesday night for those of y'all that are going to be. That's going to be a tomorrow. great series. So uh, I mean, I, great game. I love Dallas. This Baptist. is uh, they're in the meat of their schedule right now, and they are really rolling. So uh, it's been been a good season so far. Just to let you guys know, Jeremiah called me today asking me if I wanted to, uh, you know, book a flight with, to Omaha. So that's where he's headed here in a few months. <laughs> I'd love it. You know, I told I was telling Daniel on tech when we were texting. Some we've had numerous requests to just do an all baseball show. You you three good for that? And you, you're t- you're speaking my language right now. So yep, for sure. I can sit back and listen to you guys. So I, I mean, I can listen to baseball, but you know that's right. that's what's funny because you know everyone thinks because I'm a I'm a football guy and I you know write for twenty four seven that hey I'm this great sports guy I know every sport there is. Can you coach your kids baseball team? No. Well, do you know how to keep a scorebook for baseball? No, I really don't know how to do that either, and I really don't want to. I mean, that's baseball to me. I love sitting in the stands and just watching. That, that's all I like to do. I don't like to, I don't like to write about it that much. And you know, I can talk about it. I can talk about the players, but you get into the technique and the schematics of baseball, I'm out. I mean, you you guys will talk circles around me all night long. So all right. Well, for all you guys that had highest. Yeah, for all you guys that thought real highly of me and thinking I know all sports, I don't know baseball. Jeremiah's the baseball guy. And, I never uh, thought that. That's why, the guy got, that's, that's why the guy got recruited <laughs> to play baseball in college. I mean, Jeremiah, is a, he's a heck of a player. You may not know him now, but, you know, he was, he was a, uh, he's, he's got some records here in our town still for the high school team. He was a, he was a freshman starter for, uh, for the varsity, which is saying something. Awesome. That's awesome, man. How the good old days. Yeah, making him blush now. Making him blush, and he's just kind of staring off into the sky, thinking about the good old days. Well, I was. Daniel goes to every game. He's a season ticket holder, and he was on Twitter, and I saw him. He was. I think we broke a bunch of laws with this, but he was periscoping the game on Twitter, and he wrote me, and he's like, "Hey, retweet this. How many guys did you have watching the game through your phone, Daniel?" No, it was a hundred and something. That that's more than Baylor has at a baseball game. So I think that's pretty good. (laughs) Did you? did you answer any questions? Um, uh, only a couple people asked questions. Um, they were just, it was one of the games that wasn't uh, on TV or I don't even think they were on Frog Vision. So I just decided to pull out my phone and uh, periscoped, I think, an inning and a half or so. It was uh, the night before the uh, NIT game against UCF. And um, so there wasn't much of a crowd either. So I thought I would, you know, if people are at home waiting on that to start, I'll show them some baseball. It was pretty fun. Are we really going to end this show without talking about the pitcher from Murray State? The one that <laughs> does is <laughs> the leg, uh, the leg, the leg kick guy. <laughs> I mean, you saw him, right, Jeremiah? Have you not seen this guy? Have you guys seen this guy that does like the no, I saw him. leg kick? I mean, he it, it's the funniest thing I've seen for baseball. I've never seen a pitcher go through a motion like that. He literally kicks his head or his leg over his head before he throws the ball. <laughs> 
Kind I can't like believe a, you haven't seen no, that. I took what's his name in the game. I'll send it to you. I'll Google his name. You saw it, Daniel. You were there. What? 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 Tell us what happened. You don't have to visualize it for us, but tell us what happened. Um, it during the windup, it kind of reminds me of like karate or taekwondo when they have to kick the board way up in the air. It's like that in his windup. I mean, it's oh, it's bizarre. I'll I take I took a couple pictures from where I was sitting. I'll send them to you. You can put them up on the story or something if you want. It was. <laughs> It was the most bizarre thing. Jeremiah's getting a glimpse of him now. Oh, yeah. I just pulled it up on Google. This guy does yoga. He has to do yoga. Yeah. You got to. Oh, every every time that leg went up in the air, the crowd gave him a big woo. So it was hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) That's how in the world we got a non-conference with Murray State is beyond me. But who cares? That was good. That's good entertainment. I don't don't know how he gets back on the proper plane to, to deliver the ball after a leg kick like that. That's just. That's some crazy mechanics if I've ever seen anything like that. Daniel, what was the crowd? What was the crowd's reaction when they first saw him wind up to pitch? Um, I don't think anyone really knew who he was. I was I went into that series waiting to see that guy, and I because I had seen pictures of him and I was waiting on it and I kept looking in the bullpen because their starter was terrible, and um, I saw that leg first. You know, he's slowly warming up and then finally he goes into his wind up. And that leg went way above his head. I was like, "Oh crap! Here comes the leg!" And uh, <laughs> and then I, t- I started telling people around me in my seats, "I'm like, you gotta watch this guy. You gotta watch this guy." And then pretty soon, you know, by the time that uh, they started play again, everyone was just gasping. And then it turned into a, you know, woo at every every time that leg went in the air. And then people, everyone got their cameras out. But then someone got on base and he started pitching from the stretch, so he didn't do it anymore. But um, <laughs> it was it was it was bizarre. Jeremiah's Just, about to lose it over here, guys. It's so unnecessary. That's watching video of this guy now. Oh man, I well, watch ba- I can watch baseball like this all day long, man. Watching this guy, this is <laughs> awesome. Well, see, this is the kind of quality content that you can't get anywhere else. Of of the four of us looking at a Google picture talking about it. This is this is top notch, man. Oh, he's yeah. watching well, video now. He's about to lose it. He had okay. to click off another. He had to go to another page. Well, we'll uh, we'll put this online when we when we get the show online. I'll put some pictures up to go along with it. So, <laughs> uh, well, fellas, we it's, uh, in that sphere, we're going to do an all baseball show here in a little bit, especially when we get into the meat of the Big Twelve play. We'll we'll do an all baseball show, and you can you can bring the drinks and the in and cook some ribs for us, Jeremy. We'll talk about TCU baseball. That's the deal. I'll, I'll make it happen. happen. That sounds good to me. All right, fellas, I think we're going to bring this show to a close. Um, man, good content here tonight. Good stuff on recruiting, good stuff on quarterback competition. And, oh, the last thing, I can't believe I didn't recognize this. Turpin is back to playing football and not just playing school. Can we say that we're excited about that? Can we all at least agree that's a good thing? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Man. He returned man, opening I- kickoff for a touchdown, although the – Kickoff team was going about 20%, but the fans cheered, so that was great. Yeah, I'm glad he's back on the field. I I guarantee you there were like 87 tutors that showed up and said, we will help you get your grades up. I'm so glad he's doing that. Man, we need Turpin returning kicks and running short slants in the worst possible way. Well, as always, guys, I love this. We're going to bring this to a close. And for Jeremiah Glenn and Jeremy Clark and Daniel Southern, I am Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast. If you love this show, tell your friends about it. Track us down on Hornfrog Blitz, thefrogcast.com. 
subscribe to us on iTunes. Talk to you soon.